I find this very incongruent. How can you be angry with someone and also speak sensitively and kindly? That is Ram. I think that's why he is Lord Ram. So he tells him, <coughs> why did you leave Sita alone? And Lakshman explains how he didn't want to leave her, but she admonished him. So then Ram scolds Lakshman. I mean, it's amazing. He's selflessly serving. Lakshman is selflessly served Mother Sita for 14 years in the forest. And is also serving Ram. And both of them are scolding him. I mean, he could have said, what is this, you know? You both are, both of you are chastising me. And I'm leaving all of you, I'm going, going, I'm leaving this con now, I'm going to Swami Narayan. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he could have just left. You know, you, 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 this is the proof of how Lakshman, see Lakshman, we say Lakshman served Ram, but our service is tested during such times, during provocations. So not only Lakshman did not abandon Ram, what follows next is, is incredible. Ram, when he realizes that Sita is lost, Ram actually loses it. In a sense, he, he just, he loses his mental equilibrium. And Lakshman counsels Ram. He becomes an expert counsellor. And there are four chapters, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62 of Aranya Khan. Five chapters where Ram is only crying. And he is like distraught, totally shattered. So anyway, so Lakshman is being scolded by Ram and he just keeps quiet. He understands that Ram is also very angry with him. And <clears throat> Lord Ram starts losing his sense of discrimination. He tells uh, Lakshman, because when they come to the ashram, they see Sita is not there. So Ram, you know, Ram is in denial. He first thinks, no, Sita is playing tricks on me. Because he remembers the, because he had given her a garland before uh, leaving to get the deer. And that garland lies on the floor, completely crumpled. So obvious that some, you know, there has been some fight or tussle and She's not, and she's not here. The hermitage, the door is open, and there's, it seems to be there has been some fight there or some some struggle has been there. It's obvious that Sita is not there, but Ram keeps saying, "Sita, Sita, where are you?" And he looks at the garment, and instead, of, and it's obvious, he screams, "Oh, Sita!" And then immediately smiles, and he says, "Oh, I know Sita, you are playing a trick on me because, you know, sometimes Ram would sit in meditation." And Sita would come from behind and close his eyes. And then Ram would say, don't disturb me. And he would drive her away. And she would get upset. And then Ram would appease her. So now Ram is recalling this incident and saying that, I know you are hurt with me because, you know, when you wanted to come and, you know, you were having fun with me when I was doing meditation and I got upset with you. So I apologize. Now please don't increase my anxiety. I'm feeling a lot of anxiety right now. This is not the time to joke. So wherever you are hiding, please come. And then he starts calling her name very sweetly. Sita, Sita. And then after some time he realizes she is not there. So he goes through all these volatile emotions. And then again he screams. Because he realizes she is not there. So denial. And then awareness. Then again denial. Because he wants to hope against hope. So like this, it's a, it's a very intense section. And you see Ram crying. And then he looks at Champa flowers. And he says, I found Sita, because the color of the flower reminds him of Sita's sari, because it's yellowish garment. 
Do you remember? <coughs> then it's oh, it's not Sita. Then he looks at the creepers of a tree and then he thinks it's Sita's limbs. He says, oh, Sita is in the tree. <laughs> She's not in the tree, of course. And then like that, he starts seeing Sita everywhere. And then he starts looking at the different trees and tells them, you know where Sita is, please tell me where she is. He starts talking to the trees, the animals, the birds, and incessantly crying. <coughs> and finally, he tells uh, Lakshman. And all this time, Lakshman is simply standing. He is just not able to do anything. So he tells Lakshman, go to river Godavari. She must have gone to the river to fetch water. Sita never went alone to fetch water from the river. And Ram knows it very well. But still he tells Lakshman, no, she must be there, go and find. So then Lakshman quietly obeys Ram's order and he comes back and he says, she's not there. Then Ram comes to Godavari and says, oh river Godavari, have you seen my Sita? <coughs> now rivers have personified deities. So the river Godavari, in her personified form, she could have assumed the form and she could have told Ram that she has been taken away by Ravana. But she was so petrified, she was so terrified of Ravana that she kept quiet, she didn't appear. And then Ram and Lakshman saw the deer, there were a flock of deer. And Ram asked them, have you seen my wife Sita? And all of them in their eagerness to serve Ram, they can't even talk. But they all turned their heads towards the southern direction. And then Ram and Lakshman saw all the deer in the same manner they are showing towards the southern direction. So then Lakshman said, see, they are all pointing towards the southern direction, means Sita has gone in the southern direction. And that's where they find Jatayu. So Valmiki Muni says, what Godavari could have done, she did not do, but this innocent animals did. They served the Lord. Actually, learning from Godavari's mistake, Yamuna Maya, when she saw that Vasudev is taking Krishna to Mathura, you know, in the Krishna pastimes, when Krishna was born in the jail of Kamsa and Vasudeva had to take him to Mathura, from Mathura to Vrindavan and Yamuna river was flooded. You know what happened? Yamuna made way because she had learned from the mistake of Godavari. <laughs> she did not serve Ram but I won't do that mistake. So Yamuna served Krishna. So many times you know who is right, who is wrong, you know who is the Lord but still you are not able to serve. There are the wives of Brahmanas in Mathura. They served Krishna and the Ramana knew that Krishna is God and Krishna came, sent his friends to ask for prasadam and they didn't give prasadam and they didn't, and even when they realized their mistake, they didn't come and meet Krishna and Bhagavan. So it's not easy to surrender to Krishna, it's not easy to serve Krishna. So what the river Godavari could not do, this simple deer, you know, they didn't even have a language, they couldn't even speak. They didn't have the wherewithal resources to help Lord Ram, but still whatever they could, they did. So the point is, the, the moral of the story is, there is no limitation for service. Whoever you are, you can always serve the Lord in whatever capacity. So Lord Ram is extremely obliged. He feels so grateful to the deer for directing him to the southern direction. <coughs> so this is a very, very, very instructive pastime. And when they, when they go uh, further down, actually Srila Prabhupada writes a very beautiful purport in uh, Chaitanya Tarkamrut. Lord Chaitanya tells Sardash Thakur that I am really concerned how will the people be delivered? They are so sinful. And Srila Prabhupada writes that you know, this is service to take anxiety. Because when Mahaprabhu says what will happen to these people, Sardash Thakur says, my dear Lord, please don't worry. So then Sardash Thakur says, 
हरिदास कहे प्रभु चिंता ना कुरिया नेशनल पार्क इन मुंबई even here i was going on a road inside when the deer see you they just just start running away they are very very fearful animals and they, they had every reason to be afraid of ravana and they should have actually run away after ravana kidnapped sita but they want to help ram and it's interesting marucha came in the form of a deer you know and uh, and now ram is being helped also by deer so basically no no limitation for service and lakshman was misunderstood but he continued his service deer could not serve physically they did their limitations but they served and then when lakshman and ram go sudden direction whom do they see lying there in a pool of blood jatayu i don't know what lord lord ram thinks lord ram says he here is the demon who killed my sita and he takes out his arrow and is about to shoot at jatayu And then as he comes closer, he realizes it is Jatayu. And Jatayu, Jatayu tells, "Oh Ram, don't don't kill me. I'm already killed. This is what he says. I'm already killed. Don't kill me." And then Ram stops. That means even Jatayu was misunderstood. You know, sometimes devotees say, "Oh Prabhu, I'm doing so much service. The devotees misunderstand me." And what we what we tell them? Don't worry. The Lord understands you. The Lord knows your heart. This is how we console devotees when they when they are disturbed in service. Imagine the Lord misunderstands you. What hope do you have? So Lakshman is misunderstood. Jatayu is misunderstood. But they were always grateful. In fact, when Lord Ram realized that Jatayu was the one who helped, uh, who fought against Ravana, Ram performs the final rites for Jatayu. Ram did not do that for his own father. You know, generally the final rites are to be performed by the son. So Ram did not do that for his own father, but he did that for Jatayu. And then Ram says that I'm feeling the pain I'm feeling in losing Sita. I'm feeling the same pain in losing Jatayu because he has sacrificed his life for me. So this is an amazing example: Lakshman and Jatayu, despite being misunderstood, they were always with Ram. and uh, service has not only we serve even when we are criticized but also we have examples of jambavan when later on hanuman goes to find sita he actually doesn't know that he has a lot of strength jambavan reminds him of his strength jambavan says hanuman you can go to lanka and you can recover sita and hanuman says really and then jambavan recalls the whole Story from his childhood when Hanuman was cursed that he would forget all his promise till somebody reminds him of it. So Jamavan reminds him, empowers him, and then Hanuman goes to Lanka, does all those Herculean tasks, and comes back. And Ram awards him, and there is no other mention of Jamavan being responsible for Hanuman's empowerment. Jamavan remains who he is, Jamavan. Jamavan doesn't, and Ram Ram doesn't embrace Jamavan. Ram embraces Hanuman. 
and Dhamma doesn't feel there is politics going on, you know. I'm the one who helped Hanuman realize his potential and I'm not getting any acknowledgement. There are so many temples on Hanuman in India, but there are no temples for Jambavan. <laughs> and Jambavan is not insecure that, you know, nobody is giving me credit. You know, sometimes when you are preaching, some of the people you preach to, they may become superstar preachers, you know. They may do amazing services and you may remain where you are. Simple, unassuming. So, we should know that some of us will be Jambavans and some of us will be Hanumans. Not everyone will be a Hanuman. We need, we need Jambavans also. We need teachers also in the society. Some of your teachers and some of your students may be superstars. So there is a role for everyone. We think generally we equate success with you know, cameras flashing, Facebook likes, millions of followers. External validation is the criteria for success for many of us. But in service of the Lord, there is no external criteria. It is all the desire to serve. So therefore, these are some of the most astonishing examples in the Ranyakan. Hanuman, Jatayu, Lakshman, and Jambavan. Everyone served Ram selflessly. In fact, what Lakshman does is amazing. At one point of time, Ram is so angry that he's not able to find Sita before he meets Jatayu, that Ram picks up his uh, nuclear weapon, Brahmastra, and is about to destroy the whole world. And you know, he goes so mad in his agony of losing Sita, that he looks at Lakshman and says, you know what he says? He says, Lakshman, I'm going to commit suicide now. First he wants to commit suicide. And he says, Lakshman, you now go back to Ayodhya. I think now KK will be very happy. I'm dead. And then after some time he realizes, you know, KK won't be happy. KK is repenting. He says, no, but I will die now and then Bharat will be the king. When Bharat is the king, will my mother Koshila be able to accept mother KK as the boss? He starts worrying about them. And then he starts speaking recklessly, all disjointed, uncoordinated thoughts start coming. He says, you know, the whole world may think Ram is very equipoised. When I was banished to the forest, remember we spoke here when Ram was, the banishment was announced, Ram was very composed, remember? So Ram knows that we will be discussing that later, thousands of years later. So Ram says, people may think that I am very equipoised with happiness and distress, I tolerate all suffering. But now they are seeing me, I am going mad. Let them know forever that I was equipoised, I was self-controlled. All of that happened because I had Sita with me. Now because she is not there, I lost all composure. So like that, he is revealing his heart to Lakshmi. And then no sign of Sita, so he removes his nuclear weapon. Brahmastra and is about to destroy all the world. And that's the time Lakshman falls at Ram's feet. And then starts counseling him. And there are, I made long notes when, you know, few years back when I studied this section, which I won't get into the details now. But there are nine things Lakshman does to counsel Ram in this situation. He first falls at his feet. First he agrees with him. He says, yes, you should destroy the whole universe. So basically, you know, when somebody is distressed, if you immediately oppose them, they may feel a confrontation. But what Lakshman does, Lakshman says, you should destroy the universe, but not now. Just wait for some time. Now first let us try some peaceful, non-violent methods of finding Sita. And then Ram is glorified by Lakshman. Oh, you are so wonderful. Then he teaches him his duty of Kshatriya duty. And then also Lakshman gives hard-hitting instructions on suffering in this world. 
He gives examples from scriptures of Agassiz, Naosha. He gives so many examples of people who have suffered. And he says, you are not an exception. He says, why, why do you think, why are you taking yourself so seriously? <laughs> this is what Lakshman tells Ram. That what's the big deal you are suffering? Everybody is suffering in this world. What I'm trying to say is, Lakshman is counseling, placating Ram's heart because his heart is wounded and grieved. But that doesn't mean he compromises the truth. He says, everybody has to suffer in this world. Now sometimes we think, you know, if you want to console me, just agree with whatever I'm doing. But maturity means the ability to balance both courage and consideration. Sometimes we are very sensitive, very, very considerate to others, but we lack the courage to speak the truth. I've experienced this. Some people are very sensitive, very caring, but they, don't, they won't speak the truth. And some people are so courageous, they are so blunt and they lack the sensitivity. Have you come across such people? They say, I am just being frank. So, maturity means to have both. The ability to be courageous and also sensitive. And you see, Lakshman, he personally has been chastised by Lord Ram, but keeping his false ego aside, he doesn't have an ego, he convinces Ram that Ram is wonderful, Ram is glorious and Ram will find Sita but he also scolds him. He tells him that everybody has to go through suffering in this world. And then again, after, after, after scolding him and telling him the truth, Lakshman falls at Ram's feet and massages his feet and says, whatever I'm speaking is because I've learned it from you. And then he tells Ram, Ram, uh, my dear Lord, you, are, you scolded me sometime back telling me that I should not have become angry with Mother Sita because when Mother Sita told me to go to the forest and I listened to her, you told me that I should not have become angry at her and I should not have come to the forest. Now you are angry. He is reminding Ram that you should practice what you preach. So like this, Lord uh, Lakshman gives amazing instructions. And Lakshman is none other than Balram. You know that? In fact, Lakshman, it is said that he said, I will become Ram, I will become my Lord's older brother in the next incarnation. Because it's very difficult to make Lord Ram listen to me. <laughs> so anyway, and Lakshman has come as Balram. And you know, Balram, today is Krishna Balram's 47th anniversary here. And Balram deity is the most special deity in his world. For those of you who don't know, how many of you know His Grace Burijan Prabhu and Vedatarani Mataji? You heard of them? They are very senior disciples of Srila Prabhupada. And Vedatarani Mataji once told us uh, when she came to Chaupati something amazing. She said the best counselor in this world is Lakshman, who counseled Ram. And the same Lakshman has come as Balram. And then she said, if you have depression or if you are very sad, she says, she raises a deep conviction. He said, just go in front of Balram Diti. When they were staying in Vrindavan, Jagatani Mataji would do this. Any of her disciples or any of the people would come to her for, you know, when they were distressed. She would tell them, go to Krishna Balram Diti, stand in front of them and pray to Balram. And then she would guarantee, she would say, all your worries would be dissipated. And all the devotees who have this, who have done this exercise, they have, they have shared that this experience works. Everyone has felt that Balramji reciprocates immediately. 
I reject him. And he is crying, he is apologizing, but Lord says, I won't look at him. And then, the, and there is you know, a very beautiful word, which says, you know, sometimes we think, oh, people who become victims of lust are those who are very uncultured or very, you know, uh, very bad guys, you know, they become victims of lust. So Kailash Dharma says, no, Kala Krishna Das was not a very bad person. In fact, Sridhana Dekhana Tanra Lobajan Nila Arya Sarala Viprera Buddhina Shahoila. His intelligence got contaminated and he was Arya, very sick, very cultured person. Kala Krishna Das was a very cultured person. Arya Sarala, he was a very simple person, he was a very simple hearted person. And Vipra, he was very clean and brahminical by nature. So even such a person can become victim of lust. So when Lord also rejected him, the four devotees of Lord Chaitanya came together. Nityananda, Jagadananda, Mukunda, Amodar, Chari, Jane, Yuktitabe, Kodila, Antar, they all made a plan. How to help Kala Krishna Das? Nityananda, Jagadananda, Mukunda and Damodar. And then they got an idea. Let us send him to Bengal with the news of Lord Chaitanya and Mahaprasad so that he can give happy news to all the devotees in Bengal that Lord Chaitanya has come back from South India. And they go to Lord Chaitanya and say, Mahaprabhu, we are part of this service for Kala Krishna Das to redeem him. He needs redemption. And Lord Chaitanya says, do what you like. He doesn't reject the proposal. And then Kala Krishna Das gets service. He goes to Bengal and all the devotees are happy with him. And he gets redeemed again. So this is the power of this. And Prabhupada writes there that the devotees of the Lord are more merciful than the Lord. Sometimes the Lord may even reject us because of our wrong activities. But the Lord's devotees are very, very kind. So therefore, what saved him was his service attitude, his desire to sincerely serve. So this entire section of Ramayana, Aranya Khan and Sundar Khan, is the best section because here service attitude shines forth. And Pandasena, from day one that I have seen, PS is all about service attitude. Everybody is doing seva all the time. And the best part about service attitude is, you know, sometimes even if you don't have a service attitude, we just, I've seen, honestly I've seen, sometimes even reluctantly when we serve, initial days, even without a proper attitude, it is so satisfying. Has anyone ever experienced? You begin reluctantly, but at the end of it, because you have served sincerely, you may be directed, but because you are sincerely serving, you get benefits. I will give one example of mine, and then if you have some examples, I would like to know also. When I joined the ashram, my mom would get me a bag of mangoes every Saturday, because she was staying close by. Uh, I think she, we, our house was four kilometers from the temple. And all the brahmacharis, we had one small box which was given to us to keep our belongings. That's it. Uh, two dhoti, kurta and you know, two books. So my mom would come and start. And in India, we are very fond of mangoes. Here also? In UK? Yeah. Summer season, Alfonso mangoes. So she would get me one bag and I would immediately put it in the locker and she would say, eat them every day and next Saturday I'll again come with a bag of mangoes. So I would keep that in the locker. I would take out one when nobody was around. And I would clean it and then I would enjoy it. This happened for a few weeks. And then one day as usual she brought me a bag of mangoes. That would last one week. And the next week again she was there with a bag of fresh mangoes. That's how I spent my first four months in the ashram when I joined. It was the summer season. And then one day I removed the mango from the bag. And I was about to eat. 
and i saw another brahmachari from the ashram coming on the outing near the locker he came and i looked at him he looked at me and he looked at the mango <laughs> and i saw him looking at the mango and um, reluctantly i must confess reluctantly i asked him uh, would you like a mango and he said yeah why not and but he was courteous he said uh, what about you uh, do you have a mango for yourself i said yeah i have one and then i had a bag full of mangoes <laughs> i just removed one i said see i have one yeah. oh then that then, then i can eat it so then okay then then we were about to, i was about to eat the mango then just then another brahmachari came and then he said oh you guys are having a mango party i said uh, you want he said no no but if i take then you have no mango if it uh, no <clears throat> i could have a brave friend i said no i have a mango for myself also then i gave him the mango i removed him the mango and just then another two devotees came hello <laughs> oh, mangoes here and then i removed two mangoes and slowly more devotees came and my whole bag was out and uh, uh, we were around eight or nine of us and we all had mangoes we were laughing we were talking and you know those alfonso mangoes are very sweet which my mom used to get and and it used to last for one week but now in 10 minutes the bag was over and then we washed our hands we cleaned up and we all went our ways for services and as everyone left i sat there wondering what just happened i mean the mangoes are sweet but they never tasted as sweet as they were t- as they tasted now today was the sweetest of all why why are the mangoes tasting so sweet today that experience i can never forget i was like why did i do this all these weeks and then my life changed after that so what had happened was inadvertently i had shared and i reaped the benefits of sharing just imagine if i was just thinking if, if reluctantly i am sharing and i am feeling so much joyful what would have happened if i on my own volition gone out of my way to give service to share and that's why you know when raj was saying yesterday that sometimes we like to do service but if you can notice others doing service also see these are all very fine human sentiments wanting to serve seeing others do service and especially when we serve without an agenda without like generally i may give a mango to someone saying oh, okay i'll give a mango then tomorrow he's going to do this for me <laughs> you know we have this kind of agendas also that's not actually service when we have selfless service attitude okay i i'm going to serve you without expecting anything else in return for myself that's the best and many of us in unfortunately material world are not used to this kind of service we always you know it's quick pro cure you know we we want to do something because we will get something but trust me i have seen from day one the manner and many places i have seen devotees you know they serve their leaders coming here every year for ps trip serving just because they want to give you that experience i am being very honest i also have a lot of difficulty accepting that somebody could serve just selflessly until i also learned that once in a very interesting way in mayapur how many of you been to mayapur dham wow many of you it's our international headquarters of iskon and we have sri propa samadhi there beautiful samadhi it was an ekadashi and i was chanting whole day there i was thinking i was feeling hungry suddenly and i was wishing somebody would give me ekadashi prasad but who would 
And now nobody knows me. They were sitting on corner and chanting. And suddenly the pujari from the Tropa Samadhi temple, he came up to me. He said, "Gangoli." And at that point of time, I was in Chopadi Temple management. I was part of the management team at that time. You know, when you are in management, <laughs> you are always thinking in terms of thinking. Get sometimes that fine Vaishnava, uh, that refined Vaishnava sentiment gets clouded because you're always judging and you know, getting things done. You are not in your Vaishnava mood always. Then this Bengali devotee came up to me and said. Hare Krishna Prabhu, Prashad Paiga, Prashad. I said, wow, Ekanshi Prashad. And then, then immediately a skeptic within me. Oh, why does he want to give me Prashad? And I'm nobody to him. Oh, maybe he, want, he wants something from me. Maybe he wants my expensive shawl. I don't know. So I said, I'll deal with that later. Right now I'm hungry. And he's offering me Prashad. And he took me inside. And he made me sit proper somewhere behind served me on a plate and so many Ekadashi items. I was like, wow. And he served me seconds, third, and many serving, he singing bhajans. Narottam Dashakur bhajan. I was like, wow. And then, you know, time and again, my mind was like, oh, he wants something from you. He knows you are from, and he asked me, are you from Bombay, Chapati Temple? I said, yes. Oh, now he's going to ask me, give me a job in Chapati. Or, you know, something he may ask for some money or some donation. He may be wanting something from me. He can't be just doing it. But then again with my intelligence, I wrote, I'll give you that later. No problem. And then, the prasadam happened. And then he said, I was thinking, he's going to ask me now. He's going to ask me now. When, when is he going to ask me? And then he took the plate, the leaf plate, and he helped me clean up. And then he's saying, uh, Prabhu, can I ask for one thing? I said, ah, now he's going to ask me. <laughs> and you know what he said? Prabhu, please bless me. I can become a devotee of Radha Rani. I said, yeah, and what else? Like, I was <laughs> going to say something more. He said, that's it. I said, that's it. He said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very sinful. I'm staying in Dham, but I have no attraction for the Lord. And you are from Chopati. You are serving so nicely. Please bless me. I was like, really? You served me so much prasad. And then everybody served me so much prasad. He said, yeah, Prabhupada Samadhi, Ekadashi, there is nobody. And I saw you chanting, so I thought I'll share with you so that you can bless me. I said, no, you must be wanting something, no? I just casually just mentioned, you must be wanting something. And the moment I said it, I said, I realized, oh, I should have said it. Because you know what happens? I don't know if I've experienced, sometimes you say something and then you realize, I shouldn't have spoken. It has happened with you? It was one of those moments when I, it was a slip of my tongue. I said, you must be wanting something. And the moment I said it, I felt ashamed. And he immediately responded by saying, Prabhu, what can you give me? I'm in Mayapur Dham, the holiest <laughs> of all holy places. This is the best place in creation. What can you give me? Just give me your blessings. And I have gone to Mayapur so many times. But this person, and you know, we meet people, we forget them. But some people you never forget. And, and they are those people who have given us something without expecting anything in return. So this Prabhu, Narottam Prabhu, I, I have forgotten so many people I meet, but this person, I haven't forgotten since 2007. I ran to my room and I had brought some cookies from Chopati Temple. I brought all the packets and gave him all the packets. <laughs> because we, get, we feel overwhelmed when somebody serves us without expecting anything in return. 
Just imagine how Krishna would feel if we, we just tell him once, Krishna, I want to serve you, without expecting anything in return. If we serve devotees like that, and actually this is bhakti. Bhakti means genuinely, selflessly serving devotees. You know, in bhakti yoga, before bhakti there is karma yoga. Karma yoga is also of two types, sakama and nishkama. Many devotees, we do bhakti, but we are, we are actually practicing this sakama karma yoga. Means we are, we are working for Krishna and devotees, but we want results for ourselves. Like I remember, I was a book distribution in charge in temple. And one boy, young boy came and said, Prabhu, you guys are distributing so many books. I want to help all of you. You know, the book distribution bag that you carry, as is, it doesn't last long. And the books are heavy. So I will stitch, uh, I will get uh, book bags made out of jeans. The jeans cloth. So it's very popular in India. So I think Levi brand is the most popular. <laughs> so I think he got a high brand jeans and he stitched we got uh, book bags made for all the book, distribution, book distributors. I said, wow, what a service attitude. I was so happy. And I was book distributor in charge. He made 15 bags. He said, how many book distributors are there? I said, we have, we have 10 book distributors. He said, I'll give you 15 bags. I said, wow, great. So he got 15 bags done. And I was very happy. And then the next day he comes with a bill. <laughs> this is the I what? I said, Dr. this is the bill for all the people. And then I realized, oh, I never clarified. And he, he I thought he wants to serve means I assumed that he's doing it free of cost. But then it's not wrong. What he did was not wrong because it is karma yoga. He's serving Krishna, he's serving devotees, and he's also that is occupation. I remember after some time another devotee came to temple. And I realized he is practicing Nishkama Karma Yoga because he came and said, Prabhu, I have got 10 days holidays, I can stay in temple and do all kinds of services. And my first reaction was, you want money for it? <laughs> is that, what, what are you saying, Prabhu? I just want to serve. Oh, then I said, okay. He wants to serve but doesn't want the fruits of the service. That is a higher than Sakam Karma Yoga, Nishkama. So then I said, okay. You serve. So you are serving the temple, you are cleaning the pots one day and next day, it was toilet cleaning. So I said, Prabhu, we have to clean toilets. He said, oh, toilets I won't clean. I said, really? He said, yeah, toilets I won't clean. But can you come and clean the temple hall? Oh, no, no, I don't clean temple hall. Prabhu, is there, is there any deity related seva you can tell me? I said, what? So I realized he's better than the first person. He's not taking money for his service. So he's not, he's not interested in the fruits of his service. But he's, in, he's attached to the service. I will do only these two kinds of service. Anything? First is, I will serve and I want the fruits of my service. The second is, I will serve, I don't want the fruits, but I will serve only like this. And after some time, another devotee came. He said, Prabhu, I have 10 days holidays, can I stay in the temple? And I was like, Prabhu, will you take money? No, of course not. He wants to serve. And then I said, do you have any preference? And that I want to only this service or that service. He said, no Prabhu, I just want to serve. Whatever you say. I just, so I realized, oh, this is like high class, surrender, bhakti yoga, whatever is needful. What is the needful, I will do. Anyway, we can't artificially be like that. We begin by serving what we like to do. And then if the need arises, we will do the other services also.
So now the million dollar question, which I know many of you have, okay, how do I develop this service attitude? The how question is always has every class has to end with the how, how to do. So I will just share a couple of points. The best way to develop service attitude is by doing two simple acts. If you can do two simple things every day, you will realize within one year you have the most amazing service attitude. And the first is what? Obviously, serving others and appreciating others. But there is a second very interesting uh, way you can develop service attitude, which is by focusing on self. It's contradictory, right? How can you develop a service attitude towards others by focusing on self? Is that possible? So that's why we are going to have two journaling exercises now. So remember the two ways we can develop service attitude. First is focus on self and second is focus on others. So what do we mean by focus on self? Gaur Gopal Prabhu gave a very beautiful example once. He said, life is like an ice cream or life is like a candle. He says, for some people, their philosophy is, life is like an ice cream. Enjoy it before it melts. Which means, <clears throat> enjoy life before death comes. And for some people, life is like a candle. Which means, give away light before it melts. Both a candle and an ice cream will melt away. But the candle will give light before it melts away. The ice cream will simply give you enjoyment. So devotees are which category? They are ice cream or candle? Candle. candle. We want to give away light before it melts. But we have to be realistic also. Now most devotees want both ice cream and candle. <laughs> we can't artificially ignore our needs and our desires. So therefore I said let us focus on self also. And the first journaling exercise we will do is about self. And then we will do an exercise for others. Is that okay? So all of you have your paper and pens or your smartphones. Now before you do the journaling exercise, I will tell you what is this exercise. You are going to, for the next three minutes, when I say start, you are going to write expressing gratitude to Krishna for what you've got in life. And it could be anything silly also. It could be anything that you like. That you've got in life for your own pleasure or your own satisfaction. It's all about you. Is that clear? It's all about you. I got this. You know, I had this experience, Krishna. Thank you. It's so nice. It's all about, ah, oh, I'm feeling good. Although it is self, but we are doing something good here. What are we doing? We are thanking the Lord. It's not ideal. It's not an ideal situation. But it's... See, it's better to thank Krishna. I'll tell you what I did once on a journal. I, I, I've got these two journals I do every day. Uh, gratitude for self and gratitude for others. So when I'm when my gratitude for self section, I was writing about one experience. And one Brahmachari was a cook in the temple. He knows I don't like certain sabzis. And he challenged me. He said, Prabhu, I'm going to feed you things that you don't like, but in such a way that you love them. I said, Really? So he knows, you know, you know Rajma, which is an Indian, I mean, the North Indians love it, I don't like it at all. And, and he assured me that I'll make Rajma for you tomorrow and you'll love it. And he made Rajma, but with Mexican tacos, you know, with the flavor. So when I was eating Rajma, it was like a, it was like a snack. 
and I enjoyed it. And the next morning, he made, you know, I don't like chole, you know, chole. So he made chole with Italian sauce, and I, I just loved it. So he called it Italian chole. And third day, you know, there's another Indian sabji called arbi. It's a very sticky sabji. You just can't eat it. <laughs> but you know what he did? He boiled it, and then he roasted it, and then he fried it, and he made it into a very crispy snack. So like this, he cooked three or four different items which I don't like. And he made it very exciting. And I relished it. So in my gratitude journal, I'm talking about this, there are two kinds of journals, gratitude journal. One is self. So in my self journal, I'd written, thank you Krishna for giving me great uh, uh, Rajma, last three days. You know, I wrote that and suddenly a phone rang. I kept it there and I left my paper and pen. And when young Brahmachari had just joined the ashram, he saw that. He was cleaning that. And he, read it. he was shocked. And then he kept it to himself. Because he was shocked because he thought, you know, I'm a pure devotee and I'm a big Kanti Krishna for, you know, for Bhagavatam and for pure love. So he was surprised that I thanked Krishna for something as silly as, you know, some food delicacy. So he kept it to himself. After one week, he told me, Prabhu, uh, don't mind. I just want to ask you one thing. You know, I, I peeped into your journal. I didn't want to. But it was lying there and you know you had gone somewhere else. And I saw you had written about Rajma, Chole, and all of that. I thought gratitude journal means you know, we thank Krishna for giving us the opportunity to do pure devotional service and the loving association of devotees or constantly remembering the lotus feet of Krishna. <laughs> I thought this is what is meant by gratitude journal. And but you were appreciating Krishna for something so ordinary. You are thanking Krishna for something so ordinary. And that time I remember telling him one sentence. I said, it is better to remember Krishna for the ordinary than to forget Krishna in pursuit of the extraordinary. You all have an extraordinary goal in Iskon. You know, I want to go back home, back to Godhead. I want to get pure love of Radha and Krishna. All that is extraordinary goal. But let us begin with something ordinary. We are getting so many gifts every day. If we can begin, thank, begin to thank Krishna for the ordinary, then, although it is about self, again, I, I am repeating again and again, it's not about the self. You know, service attitude is beyond the self. But still, let us begin with the self. And begin with the self means, let us thank Krishna for what we are getting. So, gratitude, before you write this exercise, three-minute exercise, I want to tell you one more very important point. This can get boring, because, you know, everything becomes mechanical in life. So, I remember in a gratitude journal, I would thank my parents, I would thank my mom, but you know, it became so uh, cliche, like, thank you Krishna for giving me my grandparents, they were so loving and caring, you know, it's very boring. <laughs> then I discovered something interesting, Krishna gave me the intelligence, because of my, I guess, my sincerity or whatever. I discovered a technique called fresh gratitude. And fresh gratitude is a game changer. You can try that when you're writing now, when I, when I say start, of course. But, you know, this is a fresh gratitude, is where you thank Krishna for what you experienced in the last 24 hours. So what happens because of this? Your eyes, ears and senses are constantly alert throughout the day to catch anything which is exciting. Because you are going to put it in a gratitude journal. So you are always attentive. Are you getting this? Fresh gratitude is really amazing. And trust me, even fresh gratitude after some time can become mechanical. <laughs> So now I've discovered, the last one year I'm doing this and I'm enjoying it like anything. It's fresh gratitude, means what has happened in the last 24 hours. Now, now when writing the journal, 
if you go blank, you can't remember anything good that has happened in the last 24 hours. Because I know some devotees have told me, Prabhupada, it's very difficult to thank Krishna and thank other devotees because I feel I'm helping so many other devotees. How can you? They, they don't thank me. So I know it's very difficult because we are so full of ourselves. But fresh gratitude, if it is difficult, thank Krishna for what you have got in the last one week. If you can't thank, if you can't remember something good that has happened in the last one week, thank Krishna for what you have got in the last one year. If you can't thank Krishna for what you have got in the last one year, at least thank Krishna for what you have got in your entire life. I am sure you got something good in the last 30-20 years of your life, I am sure. And try to add emotions in it and thank Krishna. Now comes the best part. Just don't simply write, thank you Krishna for one, my parents, two, my school, no. Don't just write, don't just write the name of the person or the thing that you are thankful for. Just write one more sentence next to that item, which is, answer the question, why? Why are you thankful? Let's say, let's say you write, for example, if you say, I'm thankful for my mom, like, no? Like you want to, you want to thank your mother. Just don't say, just don't write your mother. Just say, why? Why are you thankful? Even one sentence you write, you are forced to add emotions in it. When you answer the question why, emotions will enter. And without emotions, gratitude becomes a ritualistic exercise. Do you understand what I am saying? Is it clear? Can you do this exercise? So what are you going to do? Anybody would like to answer? What is exercise now? Nobody knows? Yes. When you do a fresh gratitude, you are going to try and think of something where grateful for the past 24 hours, we're not going to just uh, name the person or thing we are grateful for, but why we are grateful Why? Why is very, very important. Is that okay? Like, I, I, in my gratitude journal, I wrote today morning, my, my, the, I'm telling you again, there are two gratitude journals. The self journal, the first thing I wrote, thank you Krishna, I could read Ramayana for three hours yesterday. Then why is important? One line, because Ramayana helps me get absorbed. It helps me enter a space of timelessness. So, that one sentence makes my gratitude rich. Because there is a why connected to your gratitude. Okay, can you do this? Remember gratitude journal with the answer to the question, why? All of you will start, the time starts now. Hare Krishna. And remember free writing, don't stop your pen, keep writing. I've already taught you free writing and now writing. Please don't stop. Keep writing.
Krishna, thank you. You can please stop. You can continue this later. Trust me, this will this will really nourish you. Now I'll briefly mention the psychology. What 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 you have just done? If you do this every day, just imagine thanking Krishna every day for the gifts that you have got. You know what will happen eventually? Like if you thank Krishna for five or six things every day for a few days, then subconsciously you won't even realize when. You know, you would you would write a sentence in the journal without you even realizing what you are doing, but with emotions. Krishna, thank you so much. What, what, what can I do for you? See, it's like this. If, if you are if you are grateful to someone for what you've got, like like you know, if if I help you, and if you keep saying, Prabhu, thank you for this, thank you for this. If you keep thanking me for ten things, if you thank someone for the ten gifts he has given you. And after thanking him for all the ten, what is the what is the next thing that will come out of your mouth spontaneously? What would you say? Probably you've done so much for me. What can I do for you? Wouldn't you say that? It, wouldn't it be natural outpouring of a heart which is feeling grateful because you've got so much? And the moment you say to Krishna, Krishna, what can I do? The moment you say that with feeling, your bhakti has catapulted to the next level. That's the level of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. The, the old devotees are always thinking, Krishna, Madhavendra Puri is telling, Krishna, what can I do for you? We are generally thanking Krishna and praying to Krishna and our paradigm is, what can Krishna do for me? Right? That's how, I mean, all of us, let us be honest. Our prayers are generally, what can Krishna do for me? Prayers means we think, what can Krishna do for me? But a pure devotee's prayer is, what can I do for Krishna? And we are not on that level. No problem. We are at the level of the ice cream philosophy. No problem. Let us be grateful for the ice cream. And then we will naturally come to that stage also. So is this clear exercise? I, I'm not saying you should do it every day, but I just wanted to share what I'm doing every day. And if it benefits you, great. If it doesn't, no problem. Thank you for listening to me. That's another exercise, which is part two. Without this, we will become simply narcissistic, you know, always talking about myself. Oh, you know, I want Chole and I want Rajma. <laughs> but Service attitude is not about the self, it's about the other person. But the second type of journal which is extremely powerful and you will discover the magic right now, what it is, it is called the blessing journal. And you are going to write one sentence about one person. Just one sentence you will write, but you will see how it's going to transform your consciousness. Now, what is the blessing journal? <clears throat> Please remember, blessing journal is where you are going to give blessing. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm a simple fallen soul. I can bless someone. Yes. And it is for Krishna's humor. Krishna is going to have some laugh. Krishna, we are going to make Krishna laugh now. <laughs> Krishna is going to think this fellow is so fallen and rotten and he is going to bless someone. But Krishna is happy to see that we are genuinely wishing well for someone. So what is a blessing journal? It, it's, it's just like gratitude journal but with a difference. You will write one name and then you write one sent at least one sentence against that name of what you really wish for that person. Is it difficult to understand? Like for example, like you know, the first day our Ram was giving gifts, the gratitude you did, and you called this girl Victoria. And she called her, she's here? No. And you called remember he, he called her and he announced how she met the devotee when the first trip. And so, the next day morning, I, I write, I, I have a blessing journal for 
minimum three people every day. So the first name that came to my mind was Victoria. I said, I wrote Victoria and then I wrote, Krishna, please, this is the first trip to PS. Let this, let, let, let her experience your love in her heart. Just one sentence, it doesn't take long. But what is happening is, you are entering a space of, just imagine, imagine everybody is blessing each other. <laughs> what a world we are we will be living in. And today morning, you know, I, my gratitude journal, in my blessing journal, I wrote Om's name. He's there, sitting there. I wrote Om, and then I said, you know what happened with it? He missed the train uh, by coming to. So today I wrote Krishna, just like the gopis, they ran to meet you in the middle of the night. Om came running to this meeting. Or they missed the train. So please let his heart be filled with your love. Just a simple one sentence. It doesn't take more than more than 30 seconds to write a blessing. Like you know, I wrote about uh, Swarna Radhika Mataji also. I said, she is raising three children and she has a husband and she is my, because I remember my mom, you know, we were three, three boys who created a rakta set home all the time. <laughs> so I said, please bless her. Just like that, just you know, What happens is when we, when we just thank, when we thank people whom we are seeing every day around us and we pray a blessing for them or we pray for them, it, it goes a long way. You know? Like children, when you see some children and you, you want them to do well, just write one sentence, one blessing for them. Because we are a product of many blessings. Because many people have been praying for us. And it doesn't take much time. It doesn't take much time. It just takes, what, if you have a two-minute exercise, in two minutes you can thank five people. Can you do this now? Can you do this now? So what will you do? What is the exercise? Who will explain? Before you start the exercise, I want somebody to explain the exercise. Yes. A sincere prayer for that person. So that's your blessing for that person and that is a prayer for that person. You start now. Hare Krishna.
and that keeps them healthy and safe. But it is warm, but because they are so close to each other, they start, because of their spikes, they start hurting each other. And then it becomes painful. And then you want to leave the others and go on your own. But then the cold will kill you. And then the porcupine comes back and stays with the others. Do you get the analogy? So we are like that porcupine. When we come close to devotees, we stay with them, we start, <laughs> because of our spikes, we start hitting, our false egos start clashing with each other. But if we leave them and go away and be alone, then the cold, the cruel cold of this material world will get us. So we just have to tolerate each other's spikes. <laughs> and just be happy, appreciate them. I remember the last retreat, somebody asked, Prabhuji, how do we, how can you be grateful for those who criticize us? I said, Prabhu, please be grateful for those who appreciate you. And then one day Krishna will give you the strength to be grateful for those who criticize you. Why are you worrying about those things which are, which are not in your control? Worry about those things that are in your control. At least appreciate those who are doing good for you. Then allow Krishna to help you appreciate those who are doing bad for you. Let, let it be Krishna's business. Hare Krishna, I stop here. I have gone way beyond my time. 15 minutes over time. Hare Krishna. So to conclude, service attitude, to develop service attitude, there are two techniques I shared. One is focusing on the self and second, focusing on others. How do we focus on self? By thanking Krishna. You can thank Krishna. I think today evening there is a pizza party. Our Prabhuji told me, Mitra Sen Prabhu. So we are going to make pizzas for everyone. I think I don't know. Is that true? Is that true? Uh, it's right. Uh, because I, I, mean, I don't want a pizza. So then, then he said, no, no, I'll make, what, what is that, Ekadashi Arta. So then I thought, then I'm, I'm just wondering whether he's making only for me or for him. So you can thank Krishna for a pizza, and then you can also thank Krishna for giving association of so many devotees. So we can be authentic, we can be who we are, and also aspire to go beyond ourselves. And that way we'll be able to relish Krishna consciousness. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Shri Prabhupada Ki Thank you very much, Hare Krishna. So good evening. I wanted to say that today evening we are going to have some questions. Because I did take questions yesterday also evening, and uh, today morning was good in time. So if you have questions, you can.